Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome back to the SBS Sports Talk Show presented by the Sports Business Society at UVA. I'm Michael Rockless, along with my new co-host, Nick O'Connor, and we have our producer, Will Harden, back with us. Will, say hello to everyone. Hey, everyone. Glad to be back. Yeah, we're excited to have you. As I mentioned last episode, Nick is the co-president with me of SBS, so we're excited to have him on uh, for the spring semester and beyond, um, and we're going to announce some cool changes, but first, hit it. Yeah, so it's great to be back, and um, before we get into what we're going to do for this episode, we're just going to say and open this up to all everyone who listens, that if you want to reach out to us on Twitter with our new idea, so our new idea is, and Nick, you can help me talk through this, is we want to be a little bit more unique and do the second half of the show um, on a unique kind of fresh topic, kind of posing a hypothetical question, um, which we're going to do tonight for the first time. Um, and then any suggestions we'll be happy to take. Yeah, I think you said it pretty clearly. Uh, basically, we kind of just do want to do something new and kind of present topics that haven't really been talked about in the sports commentary world. Um, so, for example, one was going to be, in which we're going to do a little later in the podcast, is choose two NFL players um, that you would like, and basically from any team, and put them on a college mediocre college football team like UVA, um, and who would you choose and why? Yeah, so general idea, um, thinking along those lines is something fun, hypothetical, um, you know, no one's really going to be talking about it otherwise. We are still going to cover um, some of the big stories that are going on in sports. Obviously, we'll cover, you know, UVA basketball, talk about them as they are really a national team right now, um, number two in the country. Um, and, you know, some of the other, you know, big, big things in sports, obviously, um, the postseason, the NFL, um, the MLB will be ratcheting up, as will March Madness and the uh, NBA as well. Yeah. So, but we're going to bring that different dynamic to it um, and see, you know, see if it's a little bit more interesting and, um, you know, it just kind of gives a fresh take on on something that you wouldn't get from any other kind of podcast. Yeah. So leave your feedback on our uh, Twitter page, and uh, we're looking forward to seeing some of your ideas. Yeah. So always hit us up with questions um, that you would maybe like us to tackle in that hypothetical. All right. So with that being said. Um, we'll save the uh, NFL discussion um, for later, so let's start with um, our who's. So since the last time we spoke, I believe we had we had beaten UNC, yep. and then we won the two other home games after that, so three home games in a row um, in the ACC, 5-0 in ACC play, four of them at home, beat Syracuse and then NC State, um, and the who's have climbed their way up to number two in the country you got to love what you're seeing. Nick, what are your thoughts? Oh, they're looking absolutely dominant. And for me, I don't know if it's a function, because coming into this year, I really did not expect them to be this good. Uh, so for me, I don't know if it's a function, Mike, I want your opinion on this. Is it a function that the rest of the teams aren't that dominant this year? Is that there's a lack of talent in the college basketball arena? Or is it that UVA has elevated their game to this level and they really are that number two seed? 
Um, I, I think that's a good question. Um, I think there are still a couple of elite teams talent-wise. Obviously, Duke is way up there, um, as is Villanova. Uh, Michigan State is kind of in that conversation. But I do think, especially in the ACC, you're seeing a pretty big drop-off in talent. Obviously, Notre Dame's been hit with some injuries. Their two best players, Bonzi Colson's out for a long period of time. And then their point guard, I think, is Patrick Farrell. Uh, has missed a little bit of time. Um, so they're banged up. UNC, um, you know, they lost Bryce Johnson the year before and then Justin Jackson after last year. So they have a couple of those guys from those two title teams. Or one was a runner-up. But overall, I would say the ACC, while they may get a lot of tournament teams, they may get up to like eight or nine. I think as a whole, the elite level of talent is down, and Tony Bennett's system just keeps coming at you. Oh, they're definitely taking advantage of it. I think what's most impressive, especially this season, is that we've seen multiple players step up and play that key role in, in different games. So you have Dev Hall, Kyle Guy, Ty Jerome, all stepping up in different games and really providing that uh, production that they need. And I think coming to the season, it definitely was a concern uh, among the offense, who was going to be that leader, who's going to be that go-to scorer. And it's nice that we're seeing that from different guys now. Yeah, that's been a big topic of conversation this week um, following the UVA's nice run during the homestand is that every single game it seems like a different guy can come out and, and really kill the other team, whether it be those three guys you mentioned, Hall, Guy, and Jerome. And then sometimes it can be DeAndre Hunter's put up some good performances, mm -hmm. as has Nigel Johnson. Um, and Isaiah Wilkins won't give you a ton offensively, but obviously he's playing excellent basketball every single night. Um, but that's really the key to this team is it can really be any of those, you know, three or four or five guys, and it's just hard to key in on them. Three of them are guards, the best three. Um, and it's really hard to stop them right now, and it's impressive to watch. Athletic defensively, this is probably the best defensive team we've seen, which yeah. is something when you had Brogdon on your team um, you know, for you know, four years, and, and now you're seeing a defense that is just – they're just thwarting opponents every single time. Well, it's different. Now we have basically five guys who are all locked down. With Brogdon, you, know, I mean, you could really put him on their best player, and he would shut him down. But as a whole group, this this team looks like one of the best defensive teams that I've seen uh, from UVA basketball. And I think going to the tournament, that's especially, I guess, hopeful for UVA fans as not only the defense, but with the, with the offense, is that when you can have multiple guys be able to show up, um, that's just crucial because then teams can't put their best defender on just one guy and you can have multiple guys contributing all the time. Yeah, and that's something that uh, we had noted, you know, just watching last year. We just didn't have. It was London Parantis. He was trying to do too much. Guy and Jerome obviously weren't what they are this year, um, as neither was Devin Hall. So that big transition makes it just a lot better for your offense. I kind of want to move into talking about so they're number two right now. Mm -hmm. They progressed from unranked to, you know, I think they were in the 20s, mid-teens, up to eight, jumped up to three, mm -hmm. and now they're number two. How bad do you want that number one ranking? I mean, especially because Tony Bennett has never gotten to that number one ranking. I believe he's never actually gotten to that number two ranking. Is that correct? Uh, they were number two, not when we were here, but the year before okay. our first year. So it would have been the team... Uh, that got the two seed 2015 they got the two seed and lost to Michigan State in the round of 32 uh, obviously when our first year the 2016 season um, they got a one seed um, and they but they never got up to number two overall in the national AP poll yeah I think to get to that level to be that number one seed to be that dominant team you know in college basketball which that number one seed shows um I, I think I think that's just truly impressive and I think that's going to be instrumental I think that's a confidence booster I think going to the tournament I think that would really help them if they're able to get to that number one seed yeah number one ranking yeah, yeah. that's 
I mean, that'd just be really special. I mean, yeah. you think of all the teams. I think UVA football has had it for maybe a, a week or two um, back in the 90s. Um, obviously, UVA basketball had it with Ralph Sampson, but that'd be really special. I mean, to see a UVA team ranked um, that high, you know, in a national stage, I think it's going to be difficult because Villanova playing in the Big East doesn't seem to have as tough of a schedule. Mm-hmm. They went out and they, they killed Georgetown um, this week. Um, so maybe, and, and we're coming up, you know, we got road games. We play at Duke a week from Saturday. Um, so maybe it's going to be really hard to jam that in there. But really, but, besides that Duke game, the rest of the schedule is not that difficult. But I mean, you never know when you yeah. can drop a road game. It's yeah. hard in college basketball. But, Especially with ACC schedule and, yeah. you know, and the difficulty of teams right. you know, in that conference. Right. You never know. But, I mean, looking at their schedule, especially compared to last year, I mean, they don't have to play some of those difficult teams twice. And I think that's going to go a long way for them in terms of getting yeah. that number one seed in the tournament and potentially getting that number one ranking. Yeah, that's the big thing is they want to get that one seed in the tournament. Now, the year they were number two in the country, they were number two for a long time. But that was the year Kentucky was undefeated. Mm-hmm. So you were never going to crack number one because Kentucky, unless you had won the, the whole tournament, but Kentucky was so dominant that year. This year, it seems like maybe you could get Villanova to slip up and slide into the number one ranking for however long you can hold it, uh, which would be special. But but we'll see about that. It might be hard to come by. All right, let's transition into um, the last thing we're going to cover before we go into our our hypothetical question, and that is obviously the NFL playoffs. We had a really good divisional weekend, which is basically the norm. It's probably the best weekend of football um, in terms of you get four games. They're all at different times. So from Saturday late afternoon to Sunday you know, early night, you're getting four quality football games or three at least. The Patriots usually blow someone out. Um, but it was a great weekend of football. Nick, uh, if you haven't listened to the last show, Nick is a big Saints fan. Um, so a tough one there, but as we know, the Eagles will be playing the Vikings on Sunday night, and the Patriots will be hosting the Jacksonville Jaguars Sunday afternoon. So what were your initial thoughts from divisional round play in the NFL? Yeah, I mean, we can go ahead and start off with that Saints game, get it off the bat. Uh, I mean, I'm really still at a loss for words. I mean, it was, it was truly impressive the way they're able to come back. Um, being down in the first half. And, I mean, Drew Brees just really showed up and came in the second half and just played lights out. I mean, they they really looked like the dominant team in that second half. And it, and it, it was really encouraging as a fan. But then to lose on that play, it's just, it's just disappointing. I mean, to work that hard and to come back like that, um, it's just disappointing. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it was really a miracle for Minnesota. I mean, all the guy, Marcus Williams, the rookie safety, has to do is make a tackle, which he was in position to do. Um, and, you know, it was just one of those things that, you know, that didn't go their way. And, and it's funny because you mentioned how dominant the Saints were in the second half. So I'm watching the game, obviously, as an Eagles fan, and they had won Saturday. So I knew they were playing the winner of this game, and I didn't have to worry about the Eagles being eliminated, um, you know, for this week. And the, the Vikings were that dominant team in the first half, like just really excellent, yeah. just completely shut the Saints down, had a 17-0 lead. And then the second half, the Saints had that that drive where they, they scored the touchdown, and then I think the first play, or first or second play on the next drive, Keenum throws that terrible interception, and all of a sudden it's game on, yep. and it turned into, you know, one of the best football games in recent memories with what we, we ended up watching the replay of it the other night, and it was, what, four lead changes in the last three last minutes? Three minutes yeah. um, it, it was really it was really incredible, yeah. and it was a heartbreaker to see the Saints go down that way. So as an Eagles fan, I'm going to post this question to you. Coming out of that game, who would you rather play? So going into the game, I wanted to play the Vikings. As the Vikings started to dominate the Saints, I was like, ooh, I don't know what I wish for here. But as the Saints came back, I think it reaffirmed to me that I do want to play the Vikings. And it comes down to this simple fact. 
because I think the Vikings are a better football team than the Saints. And for that matter, with Case Keenum and no Carson Wentz, I think they're a better football team than the Eagles too. But it comes down to this. If I need my defense to get a stop in the last couple minutes of the game, I'm up by zero points, it's tied, I'm up by three, I'm up by five, I'm up by seven, whatever. I don't think I can get that stop on Drew Brees. As we saw when the Saints played the Vikings, I do think I can get that stop against Case Keenum. And a lot of times in these games, it seems like it comes down to can it's either whoever has the ball last or who can get that stop. And I think that's what it's going to come down to. And with the Super Bowl on the line, I want that to be Case Keenum. I don't want it to be Drew Brees. I think yeah. if the Eagles can hang around, play ahead, get a lead, you know, be smart with the football, um, Minnesota is going to be the team that they're they're happy to play. I agree with that. I mean, we were talking about this earlier before the podcast. Is that I mean, really, Eagles versus the Vikings. It's you know, weakness versus um, you know, uh, weakness versus strength, strength versus weakness. Yeah. Um, and then with the Saints, you know, it's weakness versus weakness, strength versus strength. So it's kind of just picking which position you want to be in. I think overall, Saints and Vikings very comparable teams. Um, so I guess it just depends on preference. Right, yeah. So it comes down to, you know, do I want the defensive slugfest, which is what we're going to get, um, or do I want to rely on my defense to shut down the Saints and have, or the Eagles' defense to shut down the Saints and have the Eagles' offense move the ball in the Saints' defense? I just think it's a better bet to say defensive slugfest all the way around, yeah. um, play field position, don't turn the ball over. The big neutralizer for the Eagles is that home field advantage. Those Eagles fans that are going to be there are absolutely crazy. Um, they're going to bring a lot of energy to that game, which is going to be huge. Um, so I think the Eagles have a very good chance. We predicted um, you know, on our last podcast that I had the Eagles playing the Vikings in this game. Um, I had the Eagles losing. Um, I think you know that's probably the smart pick. Obviously, I believe the Eagles can win. Uh, what are your takes on, on this game? Um, I, I think it's really going to be, I think, you, like you said, it's going to be a defensive slugfest. I think it's going to be really low scoring. I think that it's going to come down to, at the QB position, who can perform better, Case Keenum or Nick Foles. And I think that's really what it's going to come down to, because I think they have very comparable defenses um, all around. I think the Vikings might have a, you know better wide receivers, you know, Eagles maybe better, a little bit better running backs. So it's really going to come down to who can perform at that MVP level. You know, is it Nick Foles or is it Case Keenum? Um, so I think I think that's gonna be the variability factor. Yeah, who would have thought those two dudes would be facing off? I know that's a big <laughs> big storyline this week is the Jeff Fisher backups are are fighting for the chance to go to the Super Bowl. On the other side, this one we probably won't hit on as much. The Patriots ran through the Titans on Saturday night, mm-hmm. and the Jaguars upset the Steelers in an absolute scoring fest, forty five to forty two. Yeah. Do you have? I, this is kind of how I want to phrase this. Because um, I think I have an interesting point on this. Do you care who wins the game, or do you want the Jaguars to upset the Pats? Do you have any sort of preference there? I think I look at it in two ways, in the sense that I want the Pats to win so that it's a competitive Super Bowl, but I also don't want the Pats to make it to the Super Bowl because I really feel like they're going to win, and I just don't want the Pats to win. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at at the situation. I just, I really can't see the Pats losing to the Jags. I could be at wrong. Home. At yeah. home, I think that's going to be extremely tough. But then again, I really didn't think that the Jags could, you know, upset the Steelers. So you never know. Yeah, I, I am on the uh, the hot take uh, train here where I want the Patriots to win this game. I'm all in. <laughs> I am all in on the Patriots winning this weekend. I care about them winning. I will be rooting for the New England Patriots for a couple of reasons. Number one. If the Eagles were to go to the Super Bowl, so there's two scenarios, the Patriots against the Eagles or the Patriots against the Vikings. If the Eagles were to go to the Super Bowl, I want them to play the Patriots because if they lose, a lot less pressure on you. 
playing with house money, like, so what? You lose to the Patriots. The only downside is Brady gets his sixth. If you win, one of the greatest upsets of all time. They're going to be huge underdogs. And meanwhile, you have Nick Foles beat Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. So great. That's fantastic. On the other side, if the Vikings were to make it to the Super Bowl, then we get a, just a significantly better game with Vikings Patriots because and Minneapolis that would be a fantastic game. Meanwhile, with the Jaguars, if the Eagles were to win, they'd be more likely to beat the Jaguars. Mm-hmm. But like, how impressive is it to beat Blake Bortles in a Super Bowl? Like, yeah, it's a Super Bowl at the end of the day. But think about the Saints when they won; they beat Peyton Manning. Yeah, but that's a real. So that's what you're a, saying is you want to go in as the underdog, so there's not as much expectation to win. It's that, and I want the Super Bowl that the Eagles finally win, whether it be this year or with Carson Wentz down the line or whoever. I want it to be a real Super Bowl that yeah. people are gonna say, "Yeah, that was an impressive." They deserved it that year when it's. When it's the Jaguars, you know, the Jaguars would have taken out Pittsburgh and New England, but it's also like, yeah, you beat Blake Bortles in the Super Bowl. Like, does that really count? Like, obviously it does, but I think it'll be a much more meaningful one, especially the Eagles lost to the Patriots in 2004, of course. Um, I think, you know, I think Eagles fans probably want to see the Patriots and see if if they have the formula to beat them with that pass rush. Um, And I think that would be the most exciting thing for all football fans is to not have Blake Bortles in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I think especially this year, I think the Patriots really don't have all the pieces like they've had in previous years. And I said this on the previous podcast is that they're not very complete this year. I mean, they definitely have a lot of holes. There's definitely ways to beat them. So if you are the Vikings, if you are the Eagles going into that game, you know, while they may be the underdog in terms of the point spread, I really don't think it would be that much of an upset for them to beat the Patriots this year. I just don't think the Patriots are that dominant. Yeah, I mean, it comes down to it's going to be Tom Brady against, you know, Case Keenum, Nick Mm -hmm. Foles, who, say what you will, especially Case Keenum, you could argue, is a starting caliber player. I don't think you could really make that argument as much for Nick Foles. But it's going to be Tom Brady against one of those two guys. So it's going to be hard for the majority of people to envision the past losing. But I do agree the teams, maybe not the coaching, but the teams of the Eagles and Vikings are much more competitive complete um better defenses uh weapons probably similar but i think i think it'll be closer than most people think either way um but i I mean i want to see the patriots will you have a preference there um i mean i want the patriots to lose so i would rather not see the patriots at any stage of the playoffs but um i think the patriots versus the vikings would probably be um the best game we could get. And I disagree with that. But that's <laughs> I, that's a fair opinion. Um, all right, so now we're going to uh, go ahead. Yeah, so I think we're going to do a short segment because we don't normally do this. It's to the, into the NBA. So just a quick NBA discussion kind of about what's going on. Um, so, it, you know, obviously you've seen all the drama with all the fights and everything like that, not just between the Clippers and Rockets, between multiple other teams. Um, and so my opinion on this quick take is that I really like this for the sport in the sense that – I think that I this grit, this determination, maybe, you know, I mean, it's, it's fighting, yeah, it's, it's a little petty, but I mean, to have that kind of grit in the regular season, you don't really normally see that for the NBA. So I kind of like that in the sense that it makes the games more intense, it makes the games, in my opinion, more fun and more watchable as a viewer. Um, so I think that, I mean, maybe people might disagree, but that these fights kind of elevate the NBA's regular season in terms of a viewer standpoint. Yeah, I, I don't know if there's much to elevate the NBA regular season because at the end of the day, I don't think anything's changed in the sense I can tell you who's playing in and winning the NBA Finals this year. I know you might agree with me, Nick, but the Warriors are going to beat the Cavs again. Um, so yeah, anything that they can do to make you know to make it more interesting, Will, I think you're also a fan of some of the pettiness. I know the big one was the Rockets and the Clippers. Um, Trevor Ariza went into the locker room to fight 
Austin River, something weird like that. I, don't... I mean, and then I'm watching the other day, and Aaron follows out here throwing bows. Yeah. Like, it's just, it makes it more fun for someone who doesn't usually sit down and watch an NBA yeah. game. Um, I think that's the point, too. It's just that, you know, it tra- it's like kind of like hockey. You know what I mean? It's like if you're not a hockey fan, what tracks it is maybe the fights during, you know, during the, during the games. It's just something to attract not normal NBA watchers. In my opinion, I think it's a good thing. I like this. Uh, I like this grip between the players, and I and I hope it makes the the regular season games a little more interesting, especially between the stars too. Exactly like with CP three, someone you've never seen something like that with before. Yeah, like that was in Blake Griffin. That was pretty interesting. Oh, exactly. I agree. Yeah, I mean, I guess I don't think the NBA wants a consistent, you know, hands being thrown out there. <laughs> yeah. But I think grit is the right word. If players care a little bit more in the regular season. Um, you know, maybe it makes things on the whole a little bit more interesting. Um, so we'll see with that. All right, we are going to transition into our aforementioned segment where we are going to pose our hypothetical question of if you could put two NFL players on a college team for the sake of this argument, we're going to call it UVA, which was a 6-6 six and six bowl team playing in a very uh, middle-of-the-pack bowl, um, you know, military bowl this year. Who would you put on that team, you get two players, two football players out of the entire world. Who are you putting on that team to make them go from military bowl to college football playoff? Nick, give me your two guys right now. Yeah, so my my school of thought, my thought process behind this is, you know, who is really going to make the biggest impact on that team? Is it a defensive player? Is it an offensive player, QB, wide receiver? What is it? So I think, obviously, you're going to bring in the QB. That's going to make the biggest impact. In my opinion, I would bring in a running QB. I think they have the biggest impact in college. Um, so because you know you have a throwing QB like a Drew Brees or a Tom Brady, they don't quite have a similar effect just because the wide receivers aren't as great. Yeah, just to chime in there too, you got consider the fact that we're putting you on these players on a mediocre team, yeah. so we're you're not getting an elite offensive line. No. You gotta throw a QB in there probably mediocre weapons at the same time. So, yeah, I think I think setting that kind of criteria of, you know, get someone who can create on his own while also being a force throwing the football is a, big, is a good start. So. Yeah. So I think my second player, I was debating whether to get defensive player or another offensive player. And so in my mind, I'm, I'm going to bring in Alvin Kamara, one of my favorite players from the Saints. So who's your QB? Yeah. It's Russell Wilson. Russell That's Wilson. why I forgot okay. to mention that. So Russell Wilson is my QB to bring in. I think he has the tools. He can throw the ball extremely well. He has that rushing attack. I think he's the complete player in terms of a college sense. And then also Alvin Kamara, I think he's so versatile. He can not only be a wide receiver, but just be a dominant running back. So having those two um, weapons in college, I think, is just extremely important. I think the two would very much complement each other. Um, obviously the defense would still be lacking. I think it would just be an offensive, you know, slug fest, but I'm okay with that. Yeah. I, I, uh, I consider both those guys too. Um, I'm all, I'm hundred percent with you on the, uh, the QB thing. Um, I want a guy who can run. I want a guy who can create for himself, but I, you know, he's got to be able to throw the ball too. Um, so for my, I'm going to take Cam Newton. I know that's someone mm-hmm. we discussed. So not only, you know, both of our quarterbacks, um, not, this probably isn't surprising, but both of them absolutely tore up. At the college level, Cam Newton won a Heisman, won a national championship. Russell Wilson, I think, was the most efficient, had the most efficient passing season in college football history when he was at Wisconsin. So two interesting and really good choices um, there. I think can't go wrong with either of them. Mm -hmm. And then contrary to you, I thought about it the same way. Like, could I add a Julio Jones, just a physical freak that, you know, what college cornerback is going to be able to match up on him? Five Cam Newton and Julio Jones, I think I'm scoring 
every single possession. Like I'm probably, I mean, how, who who stops Cam Newton and Julio? Just those two players. Yeah. Who stops but I think there's ways to double coverage Julio. There's ways to take Julio out of the game. And once you take Julio out of the game, then you're eliminating one of those two players with a running back and having that QB option. I think it's tough to eliminate both those players. So I think that is kind of. I don't know. In my in my sense, I think it's it's easier to eliminate a wide receiver than a running back. In right my opinion. So you didn't let me finish, which sure. is fine. So I am not choosing Julio Jones. Uh, <laughs> your argument was good. It swayed me to further not take Julio. So I'm going to take someone that's going to hook up the defensive side of the ball. I'm going to take the absolute game wrecker of all game wreckers defensively, Aaron Donald. Uh, defensive tackle for the Rams. He's going to win Defensive Player of the Year in the NFL this year. He only missed uh, he missed a game or two at the beginning. Um, but this guy is going to stop the run, and he's going to push into that that pass rush in the quarterback's face every single play. Uh, I mean, you know, this guy would just be an absolute dominant force at the college level. He was the 10th overall pick, I believe, um, when he went into the NFL. And I think when you get that on both sides of the ball, I think one player like him at that kind of position – I think he could just control the game defensively mm-hmm. and let just – so now I got the defensive piece. I got Cam Newton on offense, um, and I and I think I could that, – that team right there is going to be hard to stop, and I'm going to get stops because I have other defenders around in theory, and then Aaron Donald's just basically controlling the game. Yeah, so I think where this question gets interesting is outside of the QB position, I think we can agree, makes the biggest impact. Outside the QB position, what is that other position that is going to have the biggest impact on a football team? Obviously, you know, you have 22 guys on a football team that are starting. So what is really going to, you know, be that determining factor? I'm going to lead us to our producer, Will. What do you think on this? Well, well, first, who who wins? UVA with Cam Newton and Aaron Donald (laughs) instead of Kurt Benkert and call it Andrew Brown, or UVA with... Uh, Russell Wilson and Alvin Kamara instead of, call it, uh, Joe Reed and Kurt Benkert? I think it's close, um, but I think Cam Newton and uh, Aaron Donald will be better simply because Aaron Donald would just destroy any offensive line. But the interesting interesting thing with Cam and Russell is that Russell is going to make his receivers around him better, but Cam is a better running threat due to his physicality, which would be more useful at the college level. Um but then outside of the QB position, if you're looking on the offensive side, I would think um, that a tight end would be mm. a better Gronk. a better pick. Gronk, Gronk obviously would be who's gonna pick, Who's going to yeah. stop Gronk? No one in yeah. the NFL who's, can stop who's Gronk. Who's going to stop Kelsey? <laughs> yeah. Well, it would I mean, be Gronk. I mean, it would yeah. be Gronk. 100%. Yeah, it would be Gronk. <laughs> I mean, but, you think, like, the guys in – there's literally not an NFL player that can match up with exactly. Gronk. Exactly. There's not a college player that college can – At the college level, yeah. it's yeah, going to be even worse. Yeah, I think Gronk, I didn't consider him. Yeah, that's a good one. I also think what I mean, wide receiver versus running back. I think like if you had Julio out there, like obviously Antonio Brown is in that echelon with Julio. I like that physical threat, which is why I sided with Cam Newton as well. I just think it's a daunting task. You know, some of these smaller guys, Kamara, Antonio Brown. You know, I feel like they're they're gonna get open because they're just electric athletes. But in some ways, I feel like, I don't know, maybe I want that physical guy. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Why you prefer, you know, maybe a more finesse player over someone who's just physically going to dominate. I, I really like Will's comment on, on Rob Gronkowski in terms of just the physical dominance on that part. I mean, there's just no way you're stopping him. I mean, he's just an absolute beast. But I think, you know, again, outside of the QB position, offense and defense combined, what position is going to make that biggest impact? I guess that is the question. Yeah. One position. Is it tight end? Is that it? Is I that think the... – so what are the options? I, it's got to be 
outside yeah. quarterback, right? Running back, tight end, wide receiver, linebacker, defensive tackle. That's the only options you have because yeah. the linebackers, quarterback, and the defense could make a lot of plays. If you like Manti Teo, won, got in the Heisman finalist as a linebacker, that type of player, but way better, obviously. I mean, I still think it's it's got to be tight end or defensive line. Aaron Donald's special, but so is Rob Gronkowski. Um, so I don't know. It's really hard to pick between those two, but I think it wouldn't be linebacker because even like a UVA, they have a solid Micah Kaiser. Like I feel like it's easier to find a solid linebacker around college football, mm-hmm. whereas a physically mature, experienced like defensive tackle is just going to do so much for your team when they're going up against college linemen. Yeah. So let me ask this. So I picked two offensive players. Let's say I went the other way and picked two defensive players. Is that cre- dead? Is that dead. am I dead or am I is that am, am I creating any significant value putting those two defensive players on that team? I mean, are they really going to have a big impact or a big enough impact to maybe lead a team to a college you know football playoff or even to a you know a top bowl game? Is that going to do it or is that just not possible? I think you're dead. I think you need the quarterback, but I guess we could also phrase this in a different way. Say, all right. Your quarterback is Kurt Benker, or your quarterback is maybe give you someone who's a little bit better than Kurt Benker uh, for the sake, and then so you get two players that's not a quarterback, and then who are you taking? And then you can kind of mix and match there. Because if your quarterback, if you don't get an NFL quarterback, so obviously you're picking Russell Wilson and Alvin Kamara. The fact that Russell Wilson is the quarterback makes Alvin Kamara much more efficient offensively. But now that I don't have Russell Wilson at quarterback and I have, you know, not NFL guy who's just a college quarterback, do I want that offensive player skill? You know, if if UVA had Julio Jones this year, Kurt Banker wasn't hitting him down the field. Like, he would, he'd be be fantastic, but, you know. They would just triple cover. Yeah, they triple triple cover him and he wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't make an impact. So maybe if you took away the quarterback, I don't know what the thoughts are here. Maybe you do say, all right, our offense is what it is. I'd probably go with a running back at that point because you've seen. Guys like Reggie Bush really tear it up the college level. Yeah. Um, Alabama's had those those Heisman winning running backs with you know mediocre quarterbacks. But those top running backs have also had other pieces on that offense so that they can't just stack the line. Because if you just well, have like one, Leonard Fournette, like a Leonard Fournette, exactly. So if you have just a a great running back, you can just stack the line. Obviously, it's not it's not foolproof. You're not going to stop him every time, but you can definitely limit that player and you know significantly decrease his value. So it's you know it's. You know, do you need those other pieces on the offense for a running back to have that value? I think that's like a higher up football question. I would say for an offense in college, I think I would, if we took out the quarterback, I think I would go running back because it's just easier to get him the football. And then I would stick with running back and then go with a defensive player like Aaron Donald. Or if you wanted a defensive end, maybe you would take, you know, or a pass rusher, Von Miller. But I think Aaron Donald does a little bit more for you. Uh, holistically on defense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you were to take away the quarterback, you're looking at running back. I would say my number one guy is probably Le'Veon Bell because mm-hmm. I think he's a good enough running back that he can make stuff um, on his own and he's going to help you out in the passing game. Yeah. I feel like you would stick with Kamara. Yeah, I think they're, the two are very similar in the sense that they both have that passing attack and running attack, the, you know, the dual complements. Um, I, I, I probably Le'Veon Bell is a little bit better, but just in terms of favoritism, I'm, I'm picking Alvin Kamara. So I guess I have, I have, I have another question also. So, in the NFL, in the NFL sphere, um, in in terms in comparing it to the the college sphere, what what does the college defense have more value than NFL defense? In the sense that, like, does college defense make a bigger impact than an NFL defense? You know, if they're both really good, 
or in the same thing with the offense. You know, if you have a really good offense and you have a really good offense in college, do they make similar impacts? Or do you think it's different in college and NFL? That's a good question. I think the way you'd answer that is, is more by example. I think it's a lot harder for an NFL offense or defense to be as dominant as you would see. Like maybe you think about like an Oregon offense back in the day or like an Alabama defense um, currently. Um, I think it's – so the NFL, I think the examples we've seen are like the Peyton Manning offenses in Denver, mm-hmm. which, you know, the ones that broke all the records, um, and even the Patriots 07. Neither of those teams won Super Bowls. I, I don't know if the if the units are swayed. I still think at the end of the day you're, you're going to need a bounce football team. Like Alabama, you know, for as great as their defense is and as lackluster as their offense might seem, their offense is still usually pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, and we didn't even talk about this, but the way that they won that title game, they needed to resort to their backup quarterback. But, I mean, they, they have turned out Heisman-winning players. Um, so I don't think it's in one where it's like, okay, in, in this – in, in the NFL versus college or vice versa, I can rely on one unit more than another unit, just based off recent history. Yeah. I think, I mean, this is obvious to say football is a team sport. Yeah. Both need to be there. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Will, you have any uh, any thoughts on that one? I think for college, um, defense had, would have less of an impact than NFL. Huh. It just, I mean, depending on the opponent, because in college, there are some offenses you're just simply not going to stop. Yeah. So but, you think Saban, like against you know some of those mobile quarterbacks, Manziel or Chad in Kelly, some of the spread offenses. I yeah. mean, you're just gonna give up points. Yeah, it's just it's gonna happen. And you're so, saying in the NFL that there's ways to stop that. In the NFL, I believe there are more ways to stop that. Yeah. Um, like with a really solid defense. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you. I, I feel like if on in college, if you had one solid player, that can go a lot further than having one solid player and a bunch of kind of mediocre players around them. Yeah, because I think we've seen in college and in the NFL that defenses can win championships and offenses can win championships. So it can go either way. So it's just more, you know, posing what can have, I guess, more value. Yeah, one thing, we really hope that a defense is going to win a championship in the NFL this year because that is about the only way the Patriots (laughs) will not win and the Eagles have a chance to win. Um, So are we going to close the book on that that topic? All right, so that is going to do it for us this week um if you have ideas like that one like you can see this is the first time we've done it we just kind of posed it and kind of took it in different directions so if you have questions um along those lines feel free to send them to us at twitter um and we will be back next week thanks for listening With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.